0: serve him. How many of us have felt discouraged when it comes to serving the Lord? Discouraged. We feel um, like we don't want to do it. We feel like some of us that are currently serving feel like we want to quit. I mean, this is not just a random thought. This is something that a lot of us go through. A lot of us go through this burnout feeling. A lot of us go through this, like, I just don't want to do this anymore. A lot of us be like, why am I even doing this? Like, this happens. As a matter of fact, you know, uh, pastors are definitely not exempt from this feeling because, um, and I know half of y'all heard this, everyone who's been hanging out with me this whole weekend, but 2,000 pastors are quitting per month, only in the United States. Now, I'm going talk about worldwide. Within the country, we have 2,000 pastors that every month decide, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. Now, it's not all due to burnout. There's some moral... Uh, Moral failures that lead to that. There's uh, some burnout. There's, you know, stress. There's, you know, it's just overwhelming. A lot of families, a lot of pastoral families, I mean, we go through it, right? We go through it. And sometimes it's just too much. You know. You know. It's, it's, not, it's, it's, not, it's not easy. It's not easy. Many times pastors quit because of the opposition. People always got opinions. We all got opinions, right? And a lot of times, a lot of times, if you don't listen to someone's opinion and don't implement their idea, then they get upset and they get angry. And then, and then, they, and then they, 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 they cause a disturbance. And sometimes it's so big that pastors quit. It's, it's, it's true. 85% of pastors, right, they say... <laughs> that they are just fed up with dealing with problem people. Thank goodness we don't have any problem people here at Lighthouse. <laughs> you guys are awesome. You guys make my job a lot easier. No. <laughs> you guys, no, but, but you know what? There, it's, it's, it was there. 75% of pastors that feel called to ministry, right, out of those 75%, 45% of those after a couple years are like, I guess I was wrong. I guess I was wrong. You know, there are missionaries. Uh, there was a time that everyone was leaving for the mission field. It was a, like a mission, like, it was like a, like a virus everybody was catching. I'm leaving for the mission field. I'm leaving for the mission field. And people were going out to be full-time missionaries. That number is dropping dramatically. People are volunteering for missions all the time. Like, I love missions, but I'm going to tell them for the whole world, I'm not called to long-term missions. But I love to go for like two weeks, three weeks. I love it. I love it. What happens is that people are doing that, but no, there are a lot of less people are going out and dedicating their life to the mission field. There are many people in the local church, in the local body, right, that have served God for many years. They've served for many years, doing various things throughout the church, but they feel burnt out, and uh, they decided I'm not going to be involved anymore. This, this is happening. Not, you know, everywhere. I'm not going to be involved anymore. I'm just burnt out. I've done too much. I've carried the church on my shoulders for 25 years. And there's, like, six people saying amen, you know? I, I, you know? And so what happens is I, I, this feeling of, like, enough. I'm done. And stepping away from everything. Is happening within the church there are some cases that people just stop going to church altogether and they claim that they can have a better relationship with God without the church this is this is this is how people feel I can worship better by myself avoiding all the stuff that happens in church In some other cases, people just come to church, and uh, that's all they'll do. And if you get asked to serve, if you get asked to volunteer, yeah, you know, I've been there, I've done that, I've bought the T-shirt, you know, thanks, thanks, but no thanks. You know, I got a life to live, and I just don't have time. I mean... We all have lives, and there's a lot going on, and a lot of us really don't have time unless we make time. In some sad cases, and, and this, this is hurtful, right? It hurts to think that this happens. But in some sad cases, people stop serving because they were criticized or analyzed or, or, uh, or, or, or compared and contrasted on how they served, how they, how they did something. And 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 they already gave up of their time to get to serve to to help out, and then they hear someone say like, "This person doesn't even know how to how to welcome people through the door." Miguel's been back there twenty years; doesn't even know how to, how to say hi to somebody when they walk in. When he gives you a hug, he squeezes the whole life out of you, and then you and then you can't breathe anymore. And what happens is, and what happens is, Miguel's like, 20 years. You know what? I don't even need to do this anymore." I don't need to do this anymore. And what happens is there are people stepping down from serving the Lord because of what they are hearing others say how they serve. Whatever the reason may be, people are not serving. From pastors to missionaries to every person throughout the entire body of Christ, there are people that are not serving. And the question is, why serve him? Why serve God? And so today's title is Serve Him. We're going to talk about this. The people of Malachi's day had grown indifferent. They have grown indifferent and uh, they were not really concerned. They were not really concerned of God's great love. And, and, and so what's happened is the theme of Malachi, right, um, is I have loved you, says the Lord, right? So God is trying to tell his people, like, listen, I love you. I have loved you. And then the hardened response of the people in, in, in this book is like, oh, yeah, well, how have you loved me? How have you loved me? Show me. Show me. Show me. Show me. What I got. What I got to show that you love me. That sounds, that sounds kind of bad, right? That sounds bad. You see, what happened was the problem, the problem is that, that Malachi is trying to show them that, that the problem wasn't, On God's part, the problem was on their part. The problem was on their part because they're sinful—they had allowed this sinful, selfish, temporal perspective to take over their life, as opposed to be focused on an internal, eternal perspective. See, they were just thinking about now, and Malachi's like, "Yo, this is this is beyond now. This this is like this is this is not where this is not where the game ends." This is, this is not it. There's more to it. Their wrong um, and, and, and wa- bad, wicked attitude, their thoughts on, on, well, the wicked are prospering and the godly suffer. This is something that if you say you never thought, you might be fibbing. You might be. You might be. I can't speak for everybody, but the majority of us, we are guilty of looking and be like, I'm over here doing all the, I'm, I'm going to church, I'm reading my Bible, I'm praying, I'm trying to be good. This person is wilding out, and they just got promoted. This person is wilding out, and they just got this, and this, and this. And, we, and we're like, yo, what, what good is this? And so what happens is the people at Malachi, the people in, in this book, like, this is what they're thinking right now. This is what the prophet Malachi is dealing with, of people that are like, they're, look at this, and look at us. Look at them, and look at us. Malachi shows us that we should serve God because he notices and cares deeply for those who serve him. God notices those that serve him, and he cares deeply for those that serve him. So let's take a look at Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. Malachi chapter 3, 13 to 18. I know, a lot of verses. I'm going to read them all. It's all right. It's all right. You have said terrible things about me, says the Lord, but you say, what do you mean? What have we said against you, God? I mean, you know, like, oh, what are you you talking about, God? We didn't say anything. Of course, of course. (laughs) You have said, what's the use of serving God? What have we gained by obeying his commands or by trying to show the Lord of heaven's armies that we are sorry for our sins? From now on, we call the ignorant blessed, for those who do evil get rich, and those who dare God to punish them suffer no harm. Man, these these people are pretty intense. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with each other, and the Lord listened to what they said. He was eavesdropping again. Look at that. God was eavesdropping two times. In his presence, a scroll of remembrance was written to record the names of those who feared him. And always thought about the honor of his name. They will be my people, says the Lord of heaven's armies. On the day when I act in judgment, they will be my own special treasure. Woo! I don't know about you. We all like the bling, right? But you, are, you can be bling. Like, you can be God's bling. This this is what we're learning. This, this is what he's telling us here. He goes on the day of judgment. I'm going to act and tell you, you will be my own special treasure. I will spare them as a father spares an obedient child. Then you will again see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between those that serve God and those who do not. All right, we can be here what, to like six o'clock today. I'm talking about this. All right, no, no, I won't. I won't. We got two groups in today's text. Two groups, and I was going to give them names, especially since, like, you know, we had the Steelers and the Texans, and stuff, but then I was like, no, it's not going to work out the right way. It's not going to work out. So let's just use group A and group B, okay? Group A, A is for avoid. We want to avoid being in group A. Group B is the one you want to be in. All right? So that's, that's how we're going to know. When you hear group A, you don't want to be in that one. You want to avoid that one. You hear group B, you want to be in group B. Okay? So let's go. Now that you guys, the, ground, the groundwork is laid out. Group A. The people in group A is, is the, the first two verses of our text. Right? So they're a group A. And we want to avoid being among those who complain about serving God. You want to avoid being part of the people that complain about serving God. This group was arrogant. They spoke harshly. I mean, if I was God, I would have, you know, you know, the smack that I like to do, like, because they obviously were talking amongst themselves, and God hears this, and he addresses it, and they're like, what? We didn't say that. We didn't Come on, come on, come on, come on. So at that moment, that, that would have been one of those times that God could have been like, tsch, tsch. um, Their complaint was that why are we, what, what's benefiting our relationship with you, God? Wh- why, how are we benefiting when we see the, ri- the evil getting rich? When we see those that tempt you or those that talk against you, like they, nothing bad happens to them, but yet here I am um, and I have nothing. This is group A. This group A is, is talking like this. And so I want to just break down group A into several things that we should look out for. Like if I say avoid group A, you're like, okay, avoid group A. But let's look at some details about group A that might stick out so that we can be aware and be like, you know what? I'd rather not be associated with you right now, all right? (laughs) Group A, these people were sitting in judgment of God rather than submitting to his dealings with them. So these are people that will sit in judgment, meaning like they, they, meaning they, 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 they're acting, they're grumbling, they're talking about their treatment not being fair. So they're almost judging God and how he works, how he is, what he's allowed, right? And um, what happens is they, 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 a lot of grumbling is going on, a lot of grumbling. Do you know that when you grumble about your circumstances... And complain, grumble, it's the same concept, right? But when you are complaining and you're grumbling about your circumstances, at that moment, at that moment, we're actually elevating ourselves above God. And let me, explain to you, let me explain to you why. Because what you're pretty much saying is, God, if I were in charge and I were running this universe, I would have done different than you. I would not have allowed this to happen in my life. I would have made sure that I would have been rewarded for all the good things that I do. And so what happens is we're telling God when we're complaining and we're gumbling, you're not doing your job right. And if I was doing it, it'd work out better. Whenever you complain about your life circumstances, you are telling God you could do it better. We're guilty, we we complain. We're guilty, but let's not fall into a lifestyle of grumbling, a lifestyle of complaining. I could run it better than you, God. This is un, this is unfair. This is not proper treatment, you know. This goes against. This goes. Against, this this is not. This is not morally correct here, God. There's something wrong. I would do it different. <laughs> One of the most one of the most common uh, sins of the Israelites was grumbling, grumbling and complaining. We can go all day about the Israelites, you know, complaining. You know, here we are. Uh, they, they struggle with this spirit of grumbling. I can I say they grumble about being slaves in Egypt. God sends them, Moses, to deliver them and to move them out of Egypt. They get to the Red Sea, and all of a sudden they complain again. You let us here to die because the sea is right there, and Pharaoh's army is coming behind them. Oh, we're here. We're gonna die. We're complaining, complaining, complaining. God parts the sea. They walk across. Oh, where's the water at? Where's the water? Three days later. Three days later. Where's the water at? Oh, oh, we're gonna die. We should go back to Egypt. God gives them water. Complaining about food. God gives them food. Then they're like, oh, we're going to eat this all the time, God? You know what I mean? I mean, then they complain about the food that they're getting. It It was complaining after complaining after complaining. And then finally, I think this is where God got fed up. God takes them to the promised land. He's like, there you go. There it is. Go ahead. Check it out. And he sends 12 spies over there. Ten come back and like, oh, I don't know about all that. There's some big guys over there. This and that, blah, blah, blah. And then you got two like, oh, it's really great. It's awesome. It's the promised land. And the rest of the ten like, I don't know. And then the nation started to grumble. I can't believe we're here. Oh, they got giants in the land. Oh, we're all going to die. God said, you know what? None of you guys are going to the promised land except for you two. That was like, he was like fed up. Like, I'm done. I'm, I'm fed up. I'm fed up with all you guys. They grumbled. They complained over and over and over again. Joshua and Caleb, they was those two guys, they made it. They made it because they didn't complain. They were like, yo, this is great. Look who God is giving us. Okay, yeah, there's giants. But we can, Don't worry, but if God is opening the door, he'll take care of it. He'll take care of it. <laughs> when, we, <laughs> when we grumble and complain, At our circumstances, we are coming at the character of God. God doesn't really love me. I know his Bible says all that, but look at my circumstances. I'm complaining the way my life is right now, so he can't possibly love me because if he loved me, I wouldn't be dealing with this. So we complain about the circumstances. He wouldn't have allowed this. I know better than God what's good for me. Let's take a look at Philippians chapter 2, 14 to 15. 14 to 15. His word says, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine. Say shine. shine. What do we do as lighthouse? We shine as lights in the world. Awesome. All right. Another characteristic of group A that we can identify group A by is that these people had a self-centered attitude. Self-centered attitude. Does anybody know any self centered people? Nah, never. Everyone is all about everybody else. No one's about themselves, right? Verse 14, it focuses and it, it, it states in verse 14, it says, What have we gained? What have we gained? What's in it for me, God? You haven't given me my fair share. You know, we say that to him, and he's like, "Uh, did my son die on the cross for you? Uh, That's more than enough. Like, you will never earn that. We need to be careful because our flesh, our flesh um, is inclined to self-pity. It's inclined to self-focus. It's inclined to being self-centered. Like, this is our flesh. If we let our flesh... Go with it, like, it will only be about you, us, me, me, not us, because you wouldn't care about nobody else. It'd be about me. And you know, what's, you, know, you know what's harder for us in this society that we live in? That the world feeds that. It's all about you. Put another selfie up. Selfies are not bad. I'm just saying. It's all about you. Talk about how, talk about uh, all the things you have. It's all about you. Talk about, like, all the places and this and that. And what happens is, like, you find yourself just, it's only about you. It's only about you. It's only about you. You know, um, we all are a little guilty of this. And uh, I, I have to, I have to uh, be grateful and thankful for a woman of God that God, Put by my side because throughout the years of ministry, because it was like this, got married, boom, ministry. That was our whole life, right? Our whole marriage. And um, in the beginning, I was a lot rougher around the edges than I that I am right now. <laughs> and I would call people and I'd say, hey, listen, I need you to blah blah blah. And she's like, Can you ask them how they're doing? How are you doing? Good. Okay. So I need you to do this stuff. Like, and I'm, i You know what? And, and and you know what? And sometimes it still slips. So forgive me. Forgive me. When I get on mission mode, sometimes it's like, sorry. But she would always be like, "You got. You. It's not about you. But you got to care about people. You got to care about. If God's calling you to be a pastor, you better care about people." <laughs> That's that's her saying, if God is calling you to be a pastor, you better care about people. I'm like, I do care. After we get this done, I'll go back. (laughs) She's like, you're not in the Marines anymore because what happens is, the Marines we have this concept is mission accomplishment before troop welfare. And so what happens is we got to complete the mission before we take care of ourselves. Sometimes we're like we're like in the worst we're in the worst condition, but the mission has to go on and we got to complete the mission. And so sometimes I implement that into my ministry, into the ministry and sometimes it doesn't work very well. Sometimes it does. But sometimes it doesn't. So I need to discern when it's me and when it's the Holy <laughs> Spirit. So, so, yes, so, yes, it's not about me, you know. So um, <laughs> if there's nothing for you, then some people say, if there's nothing in it for me, then why should I do it? So, excuse me, sis, can you, can you help out? Um, so what exactly are we doing? Well, you know, I just need you to help watch the kids. So what am I, how am I going to benefit from this? You mean I got to give up a Friday night that I could go out, that I can go out to eat, that I could go to the movies, I could do whatever? I can. You want me to give up my Friday night to come help out with some kids? That's what you want? It's nothing in it for me. Why volunteer? Why help out the children's ministry? I don't even have kids. Like, why do I have, to, you know, some people are like, why do not even have kids? Why help out with the kids' ministry? We have all the reasons, right, sometimes of why we don't help out. Church isn't meeting my needs. And if the church don't meet my needs, then why am I going to volunteer to help a church that doesn't meet my needs? I need more. And you know, matter of fact, maybe I'll just go somewhere else. Maybe I'll just go somewhere else. Because when we come to some no, not us. Some people come to church and they're like, all right, I'm here. What you got for me? I'm here. I'm here. Give me. Give me good worship. Make me feel good. Give me, good, give me good preaching. I'll check you later. Make, make, I better feel good when I leave church. I don't want to feel convicted. I don't want conviction. I want feel good. Okay? Listen, there's always hope in every message because we serve a God of hope. We serve a God that restores. He serve a God that saves. We serve a God that, I mean, he's, so there's always hope. We should never leave Service hopeless. Convicted and hopeless is two different things. If you leave here convicted, God wants you to do something about it. If you leave here hopeless, then you, I, I, you missed the message. You missed it. It went over your head. Oh, all right. All right. All right. Sorry, guys. Sorry. I'll keep it going. I'll keep it going. I deserve happiness and I don't have time to meet the needs of others because I'm trying to be happy with my life. And I'm not there yet. So, you know, God understands. God understands my needs. He understands what I got to do. Yes. Listen, Jesus will meet all your needs. He will. But Jesus is also not a genie in a bottle. And we have to understand that because sometimes we say our needs and we go, I need this. I need this. I just saw, like, that new movie, Wish Dragon, because like 10 times already on Netflix because of Abigail, and it reminded me because, like, I wish for, and we wish. We wish. And some of us are living our relationships with God, wishing and wishing. He's not a genie waiting to grant every wish, but while following, serving Christ brings us a deep and lasting joy, and that joy, right? That path to that joy is a daily self-denial and the cross. So, guess what? He wants to satisfy your every need, and when we get to a path of this deep joy and and this uh, and this um, just being in the presence of God, like your needs will be satisfied. What happens is to get to that path takes self-denial and understanding the cross. Let's turn to Luke chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. It says, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What's in it for you? You may ask. <laughs> blessings in this life. And if not, an eternal blessing that is beyond anything you can ever imagine. This life can offer blessings, but it can also offer persecution even as you serve God. I mean, 2 Timothy in chapter 3, it warns, it, you know, it talks about that, about us being persecuted. But we don't serve because of us. Remember, we're not, we're not supposed to be self centered. We're not serving because of us. And those that do serve for us, right? Those, those of us that do serve because, you know, I want to be the cool guy on the guitar. Can I be? I, I'm never going to be as cool as Dennis on the guitar. But if, but if that's the reason why, then you'll be the cool guy on the guitar for like three, four, or five months maybe. And then, and, then, and then you won't serve anymore. If you do things for your own self-pleasure, for your own reasons, for your self-centeredness, those things are temporary and many people stop serving and they don't continue serving because they started serving for all the wrong reasons in the first place. All right, another thing to look at. These people lost the motivation for a holy living. We can go on a whole nother sermon about holy living, but we're not today. We're not. Uh, motivation for holy living outwardly, they went through the motions, but they were not doing these things out of a heart of love or devotion for God. Motivation is everything when it comes to obeying and serving God. We take a look at the church of Ephesus uh, when we see in Revelation chapter 2 how they're told, like, remember your first love. Like, you know, you know they, they were doing great things. Like, they were even praised for all the things they were doing. You guys are doing this good. You guys are doing that. You guys have got your good programs running, but you forgot something. You forgot your first love. You forgot your first love. When Jesus restored Peter to service, when he restored Peter, remember when when he was like, do you love me? Yes, Jesus, do you love me? Yes, do you love me? What did he say? He goes, go feed my sheep. So if, 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 if Peter and Jesus are having this dialogue and Jesus is like, do you love me, Peter? Yeah, I love you. No, no. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Then go and serve me by feeding these sheep. How do we show God that we love him? We serve him. We serve him. Ask yourself, what am I doing to serve? How am I serving God right now? How am I serving Him? Last night we talked with the young adults. We kind of, I kind of, they put me on the spot. They did. They were like, go ahead, preach something. I'm like, preach something, man. It's like, preach something, right? So I was like, uh, and I, 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 <laughs> I was like, okay, I went back to a sermon that we did a month ago. I was like, you know what? Let's, let's morph this up a little bit, right? And we talked about second chances, and, and as we were talking about second chances, it went into a direction that said, so what are we doing with our chances that we've been given? God has given, some of us here are on like triple digits right now, like major triple. Some of us are on four digits, because we lost track of how many times God has given us another chance. But the question is, what are you doing with the chances that he's given you? What? I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. But if I don't tell you, ain't nobody going to tell you this. I got to tell you like this. What are you doing with these chances? So he says, you know, tend to my sheep. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer who I live. It is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. So I live in this earthly body. By trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Love for the Lord and for what he has done on the cross for us should be the motive behind everything that we do for him. A love for him, a remembrance of his sacrifice on the cross for us should be motivation for everything that you do for the Lord. They went ahead, oh, so these people also, another thing about these people is that they focused on the seemingly, uh, the seeming prosperity of the wicked around them. I say seeming because that stuff isn't really prosperous. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow, right? And so they focused on the, the, the prosperity of the wicked, but they lost their eternal perspective. They lost their eternal perspective. You know, they said it was vain to serve God. They said, what's the point? They, they said, the arrogant are blessed. Yo, that's pretty, that's pretty rough. Oh, the arrogant are blessed. There's no reward for following God, and those that defy God, nothing happens to them anyway. That was them. When we start thinking this way, we've lost God's eternal perspective, and we've taken on and adopted the, today's worldly view on this, this temporary perspective that this world has. Asaph Asaph wrote about this in Psalm 73. He compared the prosperity of the wicked, right? To his own trials, his own tribulations, his own stuff that he goes through, and he came to a conclusion. He came to a conclusion that his serving God was for nothing. This is what he concluded. And then he took his conclusion and he spent some time in the sanctuary. The, verse, the, the chapter continues that he went into the sanctuary of God. And it was there in the sanctuary where God spoke to him and he had a moment to actually come to a realization, right? Where he began to consider and compare the end of the wicked to the end of the righteous. So... It may seem a certain way here, but b- put your mind on an eternal perspective. Where will you end up? What will it get you for the rest of eternity? Not this life, but eternity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul brings up the question. He's like, why serve Christ? He says this, he says, why serve Christ? If, if, if this is life, he says, if this is life, then eat, drink, party, be married, because tomorrow we die. There's a, that's been in movies, too. They be stealing stuff from the Bible. <laughs> eat, drink, be happy, party, because tomorrow you die. If this is all that it is to life, if this is life, this earth, if this is life, then go ahead. Party it up, because tomorrow you die. But you got to read the rest of the chapter. Because some people be like, oh, look what the Bible says. Woo! Popping bottles, everything. Hey, the Bible says the party. I don't know. No, no, no. Read the whole chapter. He goes and says, but if Christ is risen, and if we will be raised from the dead also, be steadfast, be immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your work for the Lord is not in vain. It's in the Bible. So when you feel like your work is in vain, read that verse again so that you can see what God says about how you feel. So that was where it's characteristics group A, and, and, and I'm gonna go to group B really fast. There's only a couple. Group B is the one that you want to be in. These are the ones that you got to look out for. Like I want the friends you want to make, right? And Group B, they had a desire, right? They 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 had this. um, They they noticed. They realized that God notices and He cares for this group. You know, they were they decided to serve Him despite of the hardships. This group. This group is definitely not the majority. This group is not the majority. So this group, group B, is going to be less than group A because it's harder. It's harder. It's not easy. But you know what? Serving God is a distinguishing characteristic. It's like a mark of the righteous, or at least those that are trying to be. While while not serving God is also a characteristic of the wicked. Are you serving God? Are you serving him? So these people in group B, they fear God and they esteem his name above all other opinions. They care more about God and what God has to say, and they could care less. What What was the thing that we said? It doesn't matter what you think, right? It doesn't matter. They don't care about anything other than what God desires, Esteem means to meditate, to regard, to set value on something. And they had set value on what God preferred over anything else. They valued the Lord and his character above anything else, and they didn't go with the flow. They didn't go with the flow of their day. Listen, the flow at this moment is we're doing this for nothing, the wicked are prospering. That was the flow that was going on right now. And they decided to say, I'm not going to go with the flow, I'm going to serve the Lord. Having it or not having it, seeing blessing or not seeing blessing, having prayers answered or not, maybe not seeing the answer to my prayer, I'm going to serve him. Are we guilty of caring more about what other people think other than what our own God says? You know, if you lend the ear to people like that over and over again, you know, uh, it, it, it tears you down. But yet, if you lend an ear to the people of group B, it encourages you. It motivates you. Yeah, it builds you up. It gives you confidence to be, you know, I could do this. I could do this. I, I, I'm not alone in this. And you know what? Let's do it. These people in group B, they encourage one another in the face of surrounding evil. Right? So um, in verse 16 says, then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. This group had to counter the evil talk that was happening so right now you have this whole group saying oh this is good for nothing good for nothing good for nothing so not only did they not go with the flow because some of us are good with not going with the flow but they spoke up against it this is something where kind of a lot of us may fall short because we say oh it's not my business it's not my business i don't want to get nobody's business listen if it's in the room with you it's your business if you can hear it i don't know i say if i can hear it it's my business If I hear it, it's my business. And so what happens is these people not only took a stand and said, no, I'm not going to go with the flow, they decided, you know what, not only am I not going to go to the flow, I'm going to counter what you are saying with how I believe, and this is what I believe. I believe that, guess what? No, I do fear God. And I don't believe that the wicked are prospering. I believe it's more than just this life. It's about eternity. So they, they, they they countered the evil talk of group A. There's a necessary strength and boldness that's needed to be part of group B. I mean, not just anybody can make the cut. You know, you got to tell yourself, "I'm, I'm tough, I'm bold, I'm strong, I can do this. It takes a certain type of person to stand up against the evil and the negativity and to bring truth and love. We need to fellowship with like-minded believers in order to stand firm. When we get together, this is great. Again on Tuesday, great. Again on Thursday, great. But also, you know what? You guys can continue to, to build relationships, to, to go out to parks together, to this and that. Fellowship with each other. Grow each other. Encourage each other. Motivate each other. Because if you're, sur- I mean, we're surrounded by this world with so much junk. That we need each other to help each other, to encourage iron sharpens iron, right? If all you do is attend church and then you leave, but, and you never connect and fellowship with other believers, <laughs> then what happens is you will struggle. You are going to struggle to maintain a godly perspective in the face of the evil that's all around us. You're going you're gonna to struggle. You're going to say, there's nothing wrong with this. And perhaps there could be something wrong with that. But what happens is you haven't been fellowshipping and connecting with the body. And so by you being separated for so long, you're not seeing anything wrong with this. But if you were in the midst of all your brothers and sisters in Christ, and you said, hey, there's not right. And, well, I don't know. I don't know about that because the Bible says this and the Bible says that. And, this and, that, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, but maybe, maybe there is something wrong with this. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe I didn't notice this. What happens is when you are away from the body and you just show up to check it off and leave and you're not connecting or you're not fellowshipping, then what happens is you will struggle to maintain a godly perspective in this world. You're going to struggle. And then these people in group B, one thing that we know about these people is that they're especially noticed and cared for by God. Verse uh, 16, it says that the Lord listened. And in some other versions, it says that the Lord gave attention. Like, I gave attention. Um, God hears and he sees everything. This we know. Like, we know that God hears and sees everything. Everything you say, everything you do. But his word reminds us that he's not forgetful. He's not forgetful of his children when they stand for him, And when they pay a price for him, and it's in his word, look, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. It says, for God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. Now, we can break this verse down, like, word by word, but there's something that sticks out to me, right? It says, for God is not unjust. He will for, he not forget how hard you work for him, for him and how you have shown your love for him by caring for other believers. So this is not even in here, but I think I got to say it. Okay. <laughs> if we say let's go feed the homeless, right, or let's go reach the drug addict or the prostitute, we usually get a larger turnout. We get a large turnout because, you know, when we do things like that, like, we feel good about ourselves. Many times we feel good about ourselves when we help those in need. I mean, not that we're not supposed to. No, we should. We should. But that shouldn't be your only act of service, His scripture says, by caring for other believers. Where do believers meet? Where do believers get together? So what happens is, how are you caring for other believers? Again, the question is, how are you serving? What are you doing with the chances that God has given you? I know, guys, I'm sorry. It's not like, woo. people are not jumping up and down. I get it. I get it. I get it, guys. Where are we serving? How are we caring for other believers? How are we caring for one another here? How are we helping one another here? How are we serving? Verse 17 tells our te- of our text says that on the day of judgment, On the day of judgment, you will be, those that serve will be his treasures. Those that serve him will be his treasure, his special, his own special treasure. And he will spare those that served him. You know what this world notices? This world notices the powerful, the rich, the famous the lights, the cars, like the, this world will notice all of that, and they elevate it. Oh, man, look at that new Bentley Alec bought. Oh, he's famous now. Oh, like, oh, this, that. And, and so, so the world notices all the things of this world, like, like society notices all the stuff from here. But God notices those that fear him and serve him. So you have a choice you rather be noticed by the world and the things that you do and the things that you accomplish of, of, you know, the material things that you're trying to strive for, if that's your goal in life, or is your goal, hey, I want to be noticed by God. I want, I want him to notice me. I want him to see me. I want him to see that other, the things that I'm doing out of the love I have for him and the sacrifice he made on the cross for me. I want to end with a story. Um, I usually start with a story. I'm going to end with a story today. There was this elderly couple, and this elderly couple had given their life to serve as missionaries in Africa, their life. They may have been missionaries in Africa for like 40 years together. They gave their entire life to the mission field. And then they realized with some health issues, And things like, you know what, it's time to retire. It's time to go back home. Their home was New York City. And so, what they did was, in those days, they had to embark on one of those big ships that was going across the Atlantic. And so, they get on this ship, and all of a sudden, the couple feels kind of depressed. They're depressed, they're discouraged. You know, they're depressed, they're discouraged, they feel defeated. They feel afraid, you know? I mean, they got health issues. They they don't have a pension, you know, because they didn't do missions for for money, right? And so they don't have a pension. They don't have any, And so they're they're scared, and they're worried, and they don't know what's going to happen, and they feel defeated because, like, well, what's what's left of my life now? And so they're on this boat dealing with these emotions, and all of a sudden they realize that they have someone famous on the same ship. At the time, it was President Theodore Roosevelt. And he was on the ship with them. And you know where he was coming from? He had gone hunting in Africa. He had gone hunting in Africa. So they happened to be on the same ship. When they got, well, during the ship, they noticed that everyone would crowd around the president and and the president got all the attention and the president got all the glamour and the parties on the ship and all this stuff. And they were like, what has he done he went hunting we gave our life to the mission field things only got worse because when they got back to new york city right new york city had this grand parade waiting for the president and the president walks off the ship and the parade is the the band is playing things are going in the air the balloons everybody's like the crowd is going wild because the president had returned from hunting he had returned from hunting and as the and, and you know they, they had to go first right and so when the parade followed the presidential caravan the elderly couple made their way down the steps and they got to you know the seaport there and they looked around and there was no one to greet them there was no one to welcome them There was no one to tell him, they did a good job. There was no one there to say, you guys did great. And and his spirit broke. The man's spirit broke. He said, I can't believe this. What was all this for? I mean, were we wrong? I mean, should we just have died in Africa? I mean, they started to question every decision that they made. The man grew more and more depressed, and his spirit was broken, and his wife... I mean, now they're struggling. They're struggling to find an apartment. They're struggling to find jobs in their age and in their health. Not, they got to find these things. And, and, and his spirit was broken. Finally, his wife tells him one night, she says, listen, just go into the bedroom and talk to God. Just, just, just talk to him. She must have been like, do something, like pray to God, do something. And he went in there and he was in there for about an hour. And he comes out. And when he came out of the room, something was different. He was smiling. He came out of the room and he was excited. He was happy. And his wife was like, What is going on? What happened in there? He said, I went in there and I told God everything. I told him I was mad. I told him I was sad. I told him I was depressed. I told him that, I said, I, said, I told him that the president got a parade, and I didn't. I told him how I was feeling, and I told him what was all this for. I said, I came home to nothing, is what I told God. He says, at that moment, I felt the hand of God touch my shoulder, and he spoke to me. He said, My child, you're not home yet. He said, You're not home yet. He has said, I didn't get anything when I got home. I came home to an empty seaport. Guys, if you don't get that, he said, You are not home yet. We serve him. We serve him out of love for who he is. We serve him for the sacrifice he's done for us. But knowing that he pays attention to those that serve him. And even if you don't see a reward here on this earth for serving the Lord, you will when you get home. So why do we serve God? He notices. He cares. Why do we serve? Because he loves him so much for what he's done. I'll ask you again, but don't raise your hands. Don't say anything. How are you serving God today? How are you serving him? How are you using the gifts that he's deposited in you? How are you using those gifts to serve Him?